When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. It's real simple. You know, if you take a person's legs away, they can't run. Bear down, baby. That's it. Bears fans, this is Take the North with your hosts, David Haw and Dan Weeder. We're going to take the North and never give it back. Welcome to the Take the North podcast. I'm David Haw from 670 The Score and the Mully and Haw Show. Dan Weeder is from the Chicago Tribune, covers the Bears and it's at Howell's Hall. We are here on your free Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast. You can watch us on the 670 The Score's YouTube page. You can rate us. You can subscribe. You can give us all kinds of feedback. This week, there's been a ton of it, a lot of things swirling around, Dan. What is the tone like at Howell's Hall before we get to too deep into the weeds about everything that's happened this week? Yeah, eventful day within an eventful week. On Thursday at Hallis Hall, I think it's uh, it's been a, a cleanup process. It's been a recovery process. Both of those things, all at once. I felt like today, Thursday afternoon, was was you know the first day where you felt um, a little bit more of a settled vibe than you had felt <laughs> throughout the, the the start of the week and it really into Wednesday. And now it's all about how do the Bears respond? You know, how do they respond on short notice to to get on the the plane, go to Florida? play a road game and get this thing on back back on track as soon as possible because if they don't we all know what's lurking we're going to look at the buccaneers in depth we're going to make our predictions we'll hear from some people along the way but let's start with our opening drive it's time for the opening the, the opening drive dan it's very difficult to quantify but you've covered the team for 10 years and you're up there regularly i've been around for 20 and i know what you're talking about and you can get a sense just in so, the tone and of the rhetoric and kind of the the uh, what people say and maybe what they aren't saying. But this week, it seemed like to you, I know that you feel this way, that the Bears were rattled by this loss in a way that hasn't quite shaken the organization. This opening season loss to the Packers, not only bad historically by the numbers, but it felt a lot different and it, it sat a lot more uncomfortably at Hallis Hall this week. There's no question about it. 
David, and there's a deeper discussion to be had. Thankfully, we have the, the platform to have it here because um, you're right. It is difficult to quantify, but it's easy to feel. And it's a vibe thing. And it's a vibe that 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 you can you can feel and you can sense when it's there. And it was there this week. Um, I think what makes it different is that it's September 14th as we're recording this. It's week two. I, you know, I looked at Brad Biggs uh, on, on Wednesday and I said it's it's week bleeping two. You know, there was just a, a feeling inside this building that we, he and I have felt before. He's probably felt it more than I have because he's been here twice as long. Um, but but again, it's it's week two. Like I, I can go through it with you, David, in, in terms of uh, instances in my brain that registered as comparable. Right. 2014. You were there when uh, Robbie Gold and Brandon Marsh got, Marshall got in the postgame shouting match after the loss to the Dolphins. And that was one of those moments where it was like, uh oh. You know, it's just that uh oh feeling on like what what just happened here and what does it mean? Big picture, 2019. I think it was the Chargers loss. If you remember, uh, not only what happened at the end of that game, you asked the good questions in the press conference that got Matt all defensive on. Right, I remember that. you know, did you even consider throwing the ball at the end of the game to try to get a field goal attempt that was shorter than whatever it was, 48 yards? And then it was all off the rails from there when we learned that there was no uh, sharp game management to that situation. And that was the start of a, a, a period where you're like, uh-oh, you know, we knew uh, at that point in 2019 that things weren't off to the start that the Bears wanted them to. But that was a, an uh-oh moment. 2021, I think back to the last time I was in Tampa, to be honest with you. Um, they go there in October and they're still a team like fighting to be maybe a 500 team and, and get on the right side of things. And you get your doors blown off. You know, you gave up 35 points to Tom Brady in the first half of a football game. And then after the game, the head coach stood at the podium and said that he loved the togetherness in the Saturday night team meeting. And you, and you were like, Matt, you know, <laughs> you liked the togetherness the night before your team got kicked in the teeth and we're down 35 to three at halftime. I don't know what it amounts for. Anyway, it's a long way of saying that, that like, there's just a feeling that you get. And I've never had it in week two before. Well, let me ask you this, because those are somewhat different scenarios. Yeah, very uh, that, different. That that probably share uh, a common thread, uh, 2014, 2019, 2021. And I think, you know, 2014, the dysfunction was more obvious in the Bears that season, and it permeated into everything that they did and said. 2019, I think it was more maybe an absence of strong leadership or maybe uh, not being able to to understand uh, how to handle success from the previous year and take success and pressure, success and pressure. Yeah. yeah, Manage anxiety. And in 2021, I just think maybe by then um, there was a lack of of direction because there might've been a lack of respect, but then the the commonality in all those three things and what you see when teams react poorly to failure and they're not able to overcome that adversity, I think is this, there's a leadership void somehow along the way, or there's a, uh, a weak, a weak link on the ladder or the hierarchy. I don't know that I want to sound that alarm yet. And I don't know if it's appropriate. I I wonder, do you think that this is something to keep an eye on or to have you noticed, or is it just, is it too early to, to maybe wonder about that? Well, it's certainly something worth keeping an eye on because we all know, and I hope that the Bears didn't get caught up in this this week because this is key for them. We know what's lurking in week three, and the Bears cannot let week three beat them in week two, if that makes sense, because you have to go in and you have to be really micro-focused on what it's going to take on every single possession to steal a road win from a very capable team and the Buccaneers who matches up well against you. And so you have to lock in in a way that gets you in a position to succeed on Sunday without worrying about, uh oh, you know, what happens here? 
reminds me of myself on the golf course. If I make a triple bogey on the first hole, it's like, oh God, you know, I've got to try to make double eagle on on the second hole, which is impossible. And you you have to resist that temptation to make up for how bad the one thing was immediately. And I felt like that was kind of here in this building. Now I will tell you this, it was confirmed in the locker room on Thursday by two very respected leaders in that locker room, Darnell Mooney and, and Eddie Jackson. Eddie Jackson unsolicited said that he walked in the locker room on Monday, the day after that loss, and it was more quiet than he ever remembers a Monday locker room. You know, And so this is a guy that's in his seventh season who walked in there and was like, whoa, this is like different. Now, Eddie um, tried to spin it or, or at least believes that that, that quiet was uh, a, a, an indication that it matters to guys in that locker room and that, that the, 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 the disappointment and how sharp that was coming out of Sunday with the way they performed can ultimately be a good thing because there's guys in there that care and are going to fight to get it back. Darnell Mooney, I'll let you respond to that in a second. Darnell Mooney uh, said after practice today that he felt that lull in energy and that, and that, and that deflation uh, lasting into the early portions of Wednesday's practice. You know, and that's the last thing you want to have happen here where 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 that loss on Sunday, you know, the 24 hour rules cliche, but it's a real thing in terms of a team's ability to get back up. And so there's a lot for them to, to kind of sift through here as they get ready to play the Buccaneers. And I want to sift through what Jalen Johnson and Matt Eberflus had to say. We have some audio we want to get to. But first, I, I just want to add to that. I, I I just don't know that, frankly, first of all, your observation about the, the reaction is is telling to me because you don't manufacture these kinds of things. You're not a drama king and you're not looking for things that aren't there. So it's it's relevant and I think it's a bit of a concern. The other thing is that regardless of how it's explained, I still will never understand how a professional team uh, enters a season after a historical low point in their franchise and lacks the energy and the emotion and the intangibles that they've identified that they lacked against the Packers in the first game of this season. So I don't know any of any explanation. They could have sounded the most coherent yeah. and directed and confident bunch and have everything together. And I still think it would have been inexcusable. Well, and I think early in the week, I think you sensed collectively from a lot of different angles that there weren't great answers for the questions you just asked. Why wasn't the execution there? Why wasn't the fire there? Why wasn't the fight there when you got down by 11 in the third quarter and seemed to just kind of cave in? Uh, Those things need to be answered quickly. They need to be answered this week. Look, championship teams understand how to win. Last place teams create ways of to lose you know it's a habitual thing on both ends of the spectrum and the bears are on the wrong end of the spectrum right now trying to get back to that middle ground where it's okay you know how do we figure that out and and you just would like to see um and you're hopeful right like you know th- those those championship teams the chiefs get the ball at the end of games and and it's here we go right <laughs> you get that feeling the losing teams get down in the third and fourth quarter and they go here we go again you know and so i think the bears have to resist the undertow of that here we go again feeling to get themselves out of this as quickly as humanly possible. Because again, we know what happens if, if another dud is, uh, is had Sunday in Tampa. How did Matt Eberflus in your mind address what we're talking about in, in a way that uh, was meaningful? I don't know yet. You know, I don't really know kind of behind closed doors what the what the emphatic messaging was, uh, how it was received. 
I, you know, I think Matt is under a microscope here and he's going to be under a microscope for the next five or six weeks to, to figure out how you manage this stuff. You know, this is still a, a head coach who's 18 games into his tenure doing a lot of things for the first time and, and, and probably, you know, trying to figure out what are the buttons to push with a team when they're in this state. You know, you know, our old friend John Fox used to say uh, that, you know, every week in the NFL, it's either crisis or carnival. It's either crisis or carnival. This week, it's a crisis. And now it's up to, to Matt to figure out what crisis management looks like um part of that david i asked him on on monday is is what is what is the method of response here for a football team that reaches this crossroads after a season opening loss by 18 points at home to the rival uh and matt kind of kind of gave his his wish list for how he hopes this team responds proper response is being to look at the performance you know in the right light okay what you did well what you need to improve on and then get back to work you know and then have a relentless pursuit to get better Okay, to persevere. Um, this is a, a little bump in the road, right? It's adversity, and our guys have to persevere through that. And how we do that is by pulling together and making sure that we're working on the fundamentals and skills at each position. That's the player and the coach. The, the, losing to the Packers by 18 is not a bump in the road. It's no, a tire-sized pothole. The tire's flat. Yeah, you got to you got to pull off, and you got to get that tire. And yeah. yeah that I understand the need to rationalize for every football coach. It's their instinct, but man. Yeah. So, but I, you know, I, I mean, I do think the methodology that he speaks of has to be there this week. You know, you have to have that togetherness and that micro focus to just, you know, get back on track and understand what is required of you. This league doesn't wait around for you to get your emotions in, in check. You know what I mean? There's another game to be played and there's a mountain of preparation to play it successfully. And, and you just, um, you know, you have to kind of cross your fingers that they've done the preparation properly over the last few days. And obviously going into to Friday and Saturday to, to, to give themselves an opportunity to play their best football uh, in Tampa. And Jalen Johnson's response was also interesting. I would just say we got to raise the bar a little bit. I think the only thing we can do is attack our Wednesday practice and go out there and compete against each other, push each other, be better, push each other, get in better shape, push each other to be locked in our, on our assignments and then continue that through the week. And I feel like at the end of the day, it comes down to Sunday. We can preach all we want about practice and doing things and having energy and juice. We we do that. I know we're we're routine. Our practice is hard. We do what we're supposed to do in practice. But it comes down to executing on Sundays. And I think having the motivation from this loss, I think, will give us an extra an extra push and extra, I would say, energy to go in and take that nasty taste out of our mouth. But at the end of the day, it all comes down to Sunday. He's right. I don't know this quest for juice. It's <laughs> everybody's looking for juice. They're, they've been listening not? to me too much. I'm the they, juice. They've guy. been listening to this podcast and they're copying your lingo and language and everyone wants the juice. Why would it be in short supply? That's the That's biggest mystery that I have about this season. Everybody and did Jaquan Brisker text Justin Fields about something to do with the juice? Yeah, well, they, they, uh, that was what I was going to bring up next, was that, that uh, Jaquan volunteered that on Wednesday afternoon, that, that he just kind of felt like there was an energy lull in the second half of that game Sunday and was taken aback by it and uh, just felt comfortable enough. I appreciate his initiative and his assertiveness going to one of the team captains and, and the obvious like hub of energy of this team and saying, hey, look, like we got to get that up somehow, some way. It doesn't have to be artificial. It doesn't have to be disingenuous, but we need that energy there. But again, David, th this is week F and two. 
You know what I mean? And these are things that, that like you're usually talking about in early November with a team that is, you know, just careening toward the guardrails and you're just like, Oh my God, keep it up. Uh, like you should not be there in week two. And so look like I, you know, Jalen makes a great point there in that soundbite we just played there about like, this all comes down to Sunday and it's everything you do going towards Sunday matters and it matters and it's significant. But now when those three hours unfold on a playing field, on a stage that's lit, you better bring everything that you brought to the week in a way that helps you perform and make plays. Football is so much about the mental approach and the focus. I think that we can agree that it was lacking against the Packers and it is necessary against the Buccaneers on the road in a building that isn't isn't easy to play in, no matter uh, who's the quarterback for the Buccaneers. So I think those are the intangibles. Anything else about the the kind of uh, the the things that are hard to quantify, Dan, before we get on to some of the things roster-wise that will contribute to this. Well, like I said this earlier in the week on the radio, and I'll reiterate it here. When you're coming from the spot that the Bears are coming from in 2022, which was 14 losses, 10 losses in a row, and all the, the stuff that came with it, a loss like Sunday's in week one to the rival at home by 18 points leaves the door open for people to justifiably question everything and everything was questioned this week from the quarterback play to the coaching to the defensive game plan to the the pass rush to the offensive coordinators you know aptitude and ability to to running him literally everything to the juice everything inside this building was questioned this week and that's the scary part when there's not that one thing that you can kind of just lean on and say okay this is reliable you know this is reliable in our entire culture and entire operation and our entire uh skill set and our entire you know cohesion whatever it is what's reliable and i think the outside world was was asking that question and the inside world here inside 1920 football drive didn't have real answers for it they've got to find them and they've got to find them this week in tampa because look like i i i will say this once and for all if you go down and you get beat and you get beat in in a bad fashion in tampa on Sunday, it's a name your score game at Arrowhead. It's a name your score game. The Chiefs can decide how how much they want to run the pinball machine up and, and, and embarrass you. It's going to be up to them at that point, and it's going to be out of your hands. Last thought on that for me. Uh, you're right. If it were just the quarterback, oh, boy, the Bears are just – a Justin Fields consistent game away from breaking through, or if it was just, oh my gosh, if they could just get Chase Claypool to hustle and to block, everything would fall into place or one area or another, but it's everything. It's right. all of the above. And as Foxy, as who we like to quote, would like, we used to say, it's all a problem. It's and all a problem. it is. So <laughs> that's the most disconcerting thing. And it's as if the Bears realized that when they got to work on yeah. Monday after yeah. the bottom had fallen out at Soldier Field. So <laughs> it's something to keep an eye on. You certainly have your finger on the pulse of it. And we'll continue to, to look at um, some of those cues. Yeah. And my last word on that is that the difference for me between Sunday and 2019 Thursday nighter against Green Bay and the, the curtain lifter for the 100th season is, is that team laid an egg on offense, but they still had the best defense in the league from the previous season that believed that they were good enough to keep things together. And that you came back off of that loss. And, and it was just like, you know, there was one half of the building was saying, just lean on us. You know, we're, we're, we'll get this taken care of while you guys figure out your mess. Just lean on us because we're still dominant. Now, you know, now we know how that season unfolded later in the year. But at that point, 
there was a belief that that you had something special to to use as a, a flotation device. And right now, I think they were kind of thrashing in the waters with no flotation device. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Let's take a look at Sunday's game plan. So the Bears are going to be without Kyler Gordon after obfuscating for a couple days and kind of revealing nothing. Kyler Gordon went on injured reserve with a hand injury. I understand it might be broken, Dan. You might have more details. That's a big loss. You lose your nickel cornerback uh, starting defensive back in a secondary that was promising. You lose one of your most effective blitzers on a team that doesn't like to apply pressure, only did 20% of the time with four or more rushers, uh, more than four rushers against the Packers. And Kyler Gordon, let's face it, is his second-round pick in his second season. You need him to pay off, and this this is going to slow his development uh, as, a, as a contributor and also hurt the Bears in the short term with his absence. Yeah, there's no question about it. And it leaves you reshuffling at, at a place where you felt was an area of strength for you. You know, Kyler Gordon will miss a minimum of four games. We'll hopefully get updates as uh, time passes on, on you know, did he need surgery? Did Is the recovery timeline feasible? When he comes back to play, is he going to have to play with something on his hand? All those types of things are questions up the road for Kyler Gordon. But in the immediate term, it leaves you trying to figure out where you're going to go with that slot corner position. Now, the next man up is Josh Blackwell. Josh Blackwell missed practice Thursday with a hamstring issue. Josh Blackwell's availability for Sunday um, looks more and more iffy. Greg Stroman was promoted from the practice squad to the 53-man roster and is certainly an option for you in that position. Tyreek Stevenson also said after practice on Thursday, given the experience he had at times in college playing in in the nickel, that there's been at least some conversation on, like, if if need be, you know, can you bump inside? Now, I'd don't think that's the direction the Bears will lean. I don't think that's the direction they should lean because I think you want to get him playing comfortably outside and 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 doing what he does there. But you need to find an answer, you know. And and so now it's up to to Matt Eberflus, it's up to Alan Williams, it's up to the defensive coaching staff to figure out how do we plug in here uh, in a way that keeps us steady. And by the way, you're going to Tampa to, to play two of the best receivers in the league, in Mike Evans and Chris Godwin. One question I'd like to explore, and I'm thinking out loud here, but I do wonder this if. Because I think the safety 
theoretically is a little bit easier position to learn and to play in the Bears cover two scheme and in that kind of defense uh, alignment. Mm -hmm. I do wonder if Jaquan Brisker eventually might deserve Romero a look as a slot cornerback. He's versatile enough. Certainly he's physical. He's a good blitzer. And I do think he has the feet to be able to do that job. And if you could find somebody behind him who is maybe a better option than your fifth cornerback who's pressed into duty, Maybe that's an alternative if Josh Blackwell isn't healthy and you have to go a different direction. Don't know if it's even feasible, but you do see him playing near the line of scrimmage and you're not worried about him getting caught up in traffic. It just presents another alternative if you want to be creative. I love Jaquan Brisker. I'd be very concerned about his his twitchiness and, and, and his ability to be quick twitch against some of those really quick yeah. slot receivers that can make life difficult for you. I don't think that's necessarily uh, in his forte, but man, they've got they've got to figure something out because you, you know you talk about reshuffling the parts. It always creates voids elsewhere, and and that's why you know when we walked into the season, you and I said, look, like depth is going to be tested on this roster, and depth by the general manager's own admission isn't where it needs to be yet in the the rebuilding process. And so when you lose, um, you know, a starting guard like they lost with Tevin Jenkins, when you lose a starting slot corner, guys that are, are, are not just guys, but guys that are supposed to be important to what you're building, you got to reshuffle in, in multiple areas. And it's not an easy chore. Let's talk about Chase Claypool, because there was a social media clip that uh, compiled and condensed all of his loafs or poor plays, missed blocks, kind of uh it, it, it was definitely geared to make people aware that he didn't have a good game. I, I, I'm not always sure about the purpose. Social media has created this entire industry uh, <laughs> of either hype plays or the opposite. In the Carnival case. or crisis, right? Yeah, carnival or crisis. <laughs> Chase Claypool, to me, did not play at a level that was acceptable. He's got to get better. He's got to show more uh more effort and he's got to take more pride in what he does it's easy to say from the outside that said dan i want to know what you think about it because my my sense is that yes he needs to be dealt with yes maybe even held accountable if you want to make him inactive flucy talked about that we'll get into that but i don't think that chase claypool is at the top of the list of problems this bears team needs to address in a week after they got blown up by the rival at home what do, you, what do you mean by that? I mean that it has gotten an inordinate amount of attention in, in Chicago this week and, and Bears Twitter and podcasts, whatever you want to, you know, you know the world that we yeah, live yeah. in. I, I have not been comfortable with the amount of attention it has warranted versus the amount of attention I think it deserves. Yeah, you've got a disgruntled player or a dis disappointing player who isn't coming through. And I realize he symbolizes a lot of Yes, yeah. Ryan Poles is and what Matt Eberflus stresses. But if you're going to tell me that sending Chase Claypool a message is going to make the difference this week, I, okay, maybe. But I, 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 just, I don't see it as big of an issue as a lot of people have this week. So I got a couple of things to share with you that'll be new to you. But I think the, the significance is that the, there is a symbolism to it because it's a symbolism of the culture that you said you were building, that we're going to be an effort-based football team that finishes every single play with great aggression. And, and, and you know, and so like when, when you have a guy so blatantly uh, and flagrantly violating the standard that has been set here for uh, 15 months. When you have a guy that was traded for a year ago and valuable draft capital was given up, when you have a guy that was supposed to be part of this uh, dynamic receiving core that was going to help take your quarterback to the next level, and that's the season opening performance that he delivers, people start to get 
justifiably worried about about what all's happening here and what all they can uh, believe in and what all you know they can puncture with a you know like a balloon with a pin um and so i think that's part of what this is the other part of this is uh you mentioned matt eberflus not only leaving the door open but seemingly pushing it open for the idea that chase cluepool might not be inactive or might be inactive in week two directly asked about that uh, earlier in the week said, you know, we're exploring all possibilities, which would, would give you the indication that, well, Thursday evening here at house hall is, is assistant coach time. And we visited with Tyke Tolbert just a little bit ago. And he was asked, you know, are you expecting chase to be active? And, and he said, you know, something, I don't know. I, I, I certainly assume he will be active on Sunday in Tampa and, and indicated that chase Claypool has been taking his normal reps with the offense. And so if that was in the plans, it certainly hasn't been in the practice plans. And so um, that's one of those instances, David, where I think this is a, a, another example where the head coach in trying to, you know, create some illusional competitive advantage creates more of an issue because that did get traction out it there totally in, in the did. real world. He you gave know? it credence. Right. He, did. He, 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 he didn't, he didn't shoot it down. Right. And so what happens? It, it, it takes on a life of its own. And then yeah. what, ha- what happens on Wednesday and Thursday? Chase Claypool dodges the media uh, in, in the locker room. He hasn't been available to talk to us at all since Sunday, Sunday afternoon. And, and so now you're going, OK, so what's going on here? You know, like just hit these things head on. Like like you said earlier, you know, and Tyke Tober did this just outside these these walls here a little bit ago. He just real talked it, um, acknowledged that that effort and that performance was not up to, 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 to par, uh, that there's been conversations had with the head coach and the receiver, with the receivers coach and the receiver, that Chase has gotten the message on like, look, like this is what we need out of you. And we understand you want the ball a bunch and you, we, we understand that you think you can help this team more than you're being given the opportunity to help it. But you got to channel your energy in the right direction for the entire group and organization and that wasn't done in week one and so man there yeah there is a lot to this storyline um and i'm not so sure that they've done a, a a terrific job at at managing it which to you and i probably doesn't come as a great surprise not a huge surprise at all this re- this reveals to me as much inexperience in terms of leading a team as we saw in the entire first season under matt eberflus this was something that he created and now there's not going to be there's going to be much ado about nothing and he opens himself up to more criticism that way this is the way i would have handled it and, and i and i know it's easy for us to say but as i said i i'm not dismissing or diminishing the fact that chase claypool needs to have more effort and play and and block more willingly but he's far from your biggest problem and that's what i would have said in real talk and i would have said if i were matt eberflus yeah. look We've got a left tackle that had four penalties. We've got a defensive tackle, a three technique, who didn't show up on the stat sheet. <laughs> we, we've got a wide receiver that we neglected who's a number one guy and got two targets. We've got a quarterback that turned the ball over twice in the final 20 minutes of the, of the game. We have more issues than whether or not our, our number three wide receiver can block a screenplay. And I really think that when he – you know, said what he said or didn't say what he didn't say, he let us all, let everybody like point the fingers and look at that and fixate on that. The Bears have a lot more problems than Chase Claypool, let me tell you. Yeah, I don't disagree with you, but but it, it's also a problem <laughs> until it's not. And and so they've got to make sure that this doesn't become something that unravels on them. You, you want uh, a guy that I want challenged in the offensive huddle? Braxton Jones. You know, I mean, Bra- Four penalties is unacceptable for a starting left tackle. I don't care all the things that, you know, it was a group effort and the false start. And he had four penalties. 
He's a no, starter. That's ridiculous. Got to get better, hundred percent. And he owned his his stuff in the in the locker room on Wednesday. Talked about his need to improve. The whole group needs to get better, and that's why, you know, it wasn't just a loss Sunday to the Packers. It was a loss that exposed almost everything, right? And that's why it's been so jarring in the city this week because it exposed almost everything. And you go into Tampa without any real confidence in what is that that sort of stability for you. And that that's part of the problem. Chase Claypool's got to be part of the solution now though, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and Tyke Tolbert said that he, you know, he, he has learned over the last whatever it's been now, 10 months on on there's different buttons to push. He said, I don't I don't believe in coaching all my guys the same. The guys deserve different treatment by based on what motivates them and what what kind of unnerves them, and, and so they're they're working to manage that, and that we'll see how successful they were, based on what we see uh, again on Sunday afternoon under the under the lights at, at Raymond James Stadium. All right, let's get into our numbers game. All right, Dan. Every week in the, in the Chicago Tribune, you have a package that includes a lot of numbers, a lot of research, a lot of good stuff. Where do you want to start? I'll rip, up, rip them off really quickly. I'm going to start here with seven. That's the number of losses in the Matt Eberflus era by 16 points or more. Oh That's 18 games span. Is that depressing? In an 18 game span, they've lost seven games by at least 16 points or more. The only other teams <laughs> in the NFL with at least with more than three such losses are the Colts with five and the Rams with four. So that tells you a little something about where they've been. That's. That's non-competitive. Those are non-competitive losses. Those aren't coming close. Those are, I, I know that six of those seven were in the name of tanking and people can rationalize all they want, but those are non-competitive losses. All right. I'll stay on that same vein right now and give you 369. That's the number of points allowed by the Chicago Bears since they last won a game. They've also allowed 4,409 yards in that span. That's an average of 33.5 points and 400.8 yards per game in their 11-game losing streak. Got to get that thing eliminated as soon as possible. 33.5 points in their 11-game losing streak they're averaging. You are not going to win a single game giving up 33.5 points a game. You're not. So we'll switch over to uh, a, a Sunday afternoon number at 66. It's the receiving yards recorded by Mike Evans in the season opener for the Buccaneers, including a 28-yard touchdown pass from Bakerfield and that upset win on the road in Minnesota. Mike Evans, David, has nine consecutive seasons with 1,000 yards. That's second all-time. The NFL record is 11 consecutive 1,000-yard uh, re- receiving seasons by a guy you might have heard of. His name is Jerry Rice, who did it from 1986 through 1996 with the 49ers. Mike Evans made Johnny Menzel Johnny football, and Mike <laughs> Evans is making Baker Mayfield into a legit NFL quarterback again. Mike Evans can play and is is one of the more underrated receivers over the last five years. Big dude, and uh, also a guy Eddie Jackson said today, likes to talk a lot and get in your head. Last number for me is six. It's the number of receptions, a team high by Roshan Johnson in the season opener. Roshan Johnson did just about everything that was asked of him in his NFL debut in week one, and now obviously in a backfield uh, by committee with Khalil Herbert and Deontay Foreman. He's going to get more opportunity to play Sunday against the Buccaneers. As you know, the Buccaneers are a blitz-heavy team, which requires you to have backs that can pass block. Roshan Johnson can do that. So you've got a guy who can run it with authority. You've got a guy who can catch it. You've got a guy who can block and be reliable and blitz pickup. So those six receptions were, were uh, certainly noteworthy in week one. Todd Bowles' Buccaneers blitz Kirk Cousins 43% of the time, the highest rate in the NFL in week one. They're going to come after... Uh, Justin Fields, I think, 
unless they sit back and make him play quarterback and try to play the shell. But Todd Bowles' defense tend to be very aggressive. They don't care who the quarterback is. And here's what's interesting to me, Dan, that Roshan Johnson stat is, is interesting because how often, or I guess I should rephrase it, how rare is it where your rookie running back is your most trusted running back on third down because in part of pass protection? Usually that's when the guys get confused, they throw a lot at you, yet he's a he's a reliable pass catcher and he's a dependable pass blocker, which isn't always the case when you're talking about young running backs. Justin Fields said he's handled himself like a grown man since the day he got here in the spring, and that's high praise from, from a captain on the team who's obviously had his head turned by what the rookie has been able to bring to the table. I have one number, if you're done with the numbers, Chris. Yeah, fire. I have one number that I think includes a bit of a mea culpa by me. It's number three. And that is the number of debuts that Baker Mayfield has won with his respective teams. He's on his fourth team, which doesn't necessarily (laughs) surprise me. He started with the Browns, won that debut. Then I think he went to the Panthers. I think he lost that one, his first game. Then he went to the Rams. Rams, And you remember, he won the first one with the Rams because it was all like, wow, Baker's here. That's cool. And now (laughs) he's with the Bucs replacing Tom Brady. And he won in Minnesota. Who knew? So I think of Baker Mayfield. I think of the punk who tried to plant the flag in AstroTurf back at Oklahoma. I've never liked the guy. I hated his commercials. But I have to give him respect. He is a guy that gets the job done. I love the way that he uh, mocked the idea of him stealing signs and signals from the Vikings. I'd be very careful if I were Alan Williams because (laughs) Baker Mayfield is watching grudgingly. This is grudgingly. I'm giving Baker Mayfield the respect he has earned. This is his fourth team, but this guy is an NFL survivor, and I think he's going to be around for a while. Listen, I love Baker Mayfield, and I've always loved Baker Mayfield because I'm in I'm in this for the theater, you know, and you know you're going to get entertainment from that dude one way or another every single time he steps on the field. He's going to talk too much. He's going to be too demonstrative. It is the type of stuff that, that guys like you and me should live for, so I'm surprised to hear you say that, that you're, you're... Yeah, he's a little cocky. That's all. Not a little. Not a little. Yeah, I mean, it's lot. over the top. It's nah, over it's the top. It's a little over the top. You like the juice that he brings. You like the, all the juice. Hey, everyone, this is Brett Boone. Would you know it? I've got a podcast going strong in our fourth year. Tune in as I sit down with my friends, some of the biggest names in sports, media, entertainment, for a lot of fun and in-depth conversations. As you know, baseball's been my life. It's been in the family for a long time, but it's a lot more than that here. It's sort of like taking a ride in a golf cart around a beautiful track. Join me every week for multiple episodes on the Brett Boone podcast, available on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, let's bring in Adam Szczynski. Speaking of juice, he's going to bring the juice to our prediction segment because we're going to predict Bears and Bucks on Sunday. I think we're all going to be shocked by Adam's prediction. Uh Let's start with studs. All right, I am picking the Bears, but here's the thing. I'm picking them almost off of blind faith that this bleep has to get – that they understand it's got to get better and that that, whatever the hell happened last week was inexcusable, and I hope it. And if it doesn't get better, if it doesn't look a hell of a lot better – you're going to like, this is going to get bad from my point of view. If I'm tearing you apart, that means it's bad. So get it together. Like, seriously, like even picking them to win 25 to 20, I don't know how they get there. But I, I, just based on them cleaning stuff up, clean it the F up. Seriously, what the hell was that? So Adam, I'm still angry be, about it. I know it's be, been you shaking on the couch like you described you shaking on the couch before kickoff last Sunday. Right. So, and one one last thing here, real quick. Like, if <laughs> even if they, I can take a loss 
on as it looks a hell of a lot better. Like if Mike has a crazy catch in the fourth quarter to win the game and it was a close game and everything looked a lot better, whatever, fine. But they did it to the Packers again. Like it's going to be scorched earth from my point of view. So, all right, I got the Bears winning 25-20. All right, 25-20 from Studs. Dan, what do you think? Well, that was our first experiment taking callers on the Take the North podcast. Thanks for Studs. I'm going going Bears 20. I'm sorry, I'm going Buccaneers 20, Bears 16. I know I told you on Wednesday morning on the Mully and Haw Show, David. totally misled me, man. I I told you You I was leaning. Totally misled me. I took your cue and I ran with it. Go ahead. Let me walk you through this. I, I was leaning toward the Bears. My rationale was they cannot possibly be as bad as he performed in week one. I cannot fathom that with my brain. This league is filled every year and really every week with bounce back performances that make you go, oh, okay, you know, this is just what happens. Teams bounce, 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 bounce back and forth. I thought the Bears were headed that way. And then I kept studying the matchups and kept trying to find the answers that Studs just mentioned that you're looking for to try to figure out how they get on the right side of this thing. I don't know how they're going to protect Justin Fields well enough against a blitz heavy uh, p- uh, performance from Todd Bowles and his defense. The Bucks have the scheme and the personnel on defense to make life very uncomfortable for Justin. Kirk Cousins just had three turnovers against them. I'm worried about that. I'm worried about the inability to rush the passer on a consistent basis in a way that helps your secondary try to account for Mike Evans and Chris Godwin, who can be a problem on every single series that you're playing if you don't have rush to speed up the quarterback. So all that brings me back to a point where I, I think the Bears are going to be more competitive. It's going to look better than it did in week one, but the Buccaneers win 20 to 16. See, you had me thinking Bears after your hit on Wednesday morning. I had myself thinking that. I talked myself into it because I just feel like the Bears essentially, in my mind, they dropped boredom and complacency from the roster. They cut those two and they're adding urgency and desperation. And that to me is the most compelling reason, not very convincing, but compelling. They can't lose this game because they're staring at 0-3. And if you're staring at 0-3 in the NFL, as we all know, you're three games away from prosperity or disaster. And so if the Bears start 0-3, they're going down a path that is even uglier than it looks now. They haven't won a game since October 24th. They would be approaching the one-year anniversary if they start 0-3. They may go a full year between victories if they start 0-3. You're not winning an arrowhead. You better win Sunday at Raymond James Stadium. Tough place to play, but Justin Fields is going to, I think, be the bold stroke artist, the abstract artist. Stop with the paint by numbers, Luke Getzey. Stop with the checkdowns, Justin Fields. Take the risks. The rewards are worth it. That's going to be the difference. Justin Fields is going to either break one or two or take a shot down the field and find DJ Moore. Remember him. And one plus two will equal six. And they will win this game 28 to 27. He can't turn the ball over. The quarterback can't turn the ball over. Uh, and I think that's going to be a, a problem on Sunday. By the way, the Bears have lost on their last three trips into Tampa by an average score of 34 to 7. La, 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 All right, let's wrap things up. Stud said they're due, and that is literally on the on the marquee when you walk into the building here at House Hall. It just says Chicago Bears, they're due. We're due. All right, let's wrap things up with a two-minute drill. The two-minute drill. The two-minute drill. Dan, Luke Getze always represents himself very well. Took a lot of heat this week. Some of it warranted, some of it over the top. I think Justin Fields and Luke Getze share responsibility for the passing game being too conservative in the words of the quarterback. What did you make of Luke Getze's explanation, and what do you expect Sunday? 
Yeah, you know, I, I thought that that Luke was um, surprisingly positive about everything in that game. I think it was calculated when he met with us with the media to try to get a positive spin on this thing and keep the the avalanche of, of negativity from from bringing them down. He knows he's got to get better in certain areas, but I think there are also areas where they have to coach up the quarterback to understand why certain plays were called and where the ball needs to go, even if it needs to, to feel, quote-unquote, forced at times. If you've got a one-on-one matchup with one of your guys and it's going to be a 50-50 ball, trust him. Give him a shot. Let D.J. Moore make a play. He's supposed to be a stud for you. you know. And so there's a little bit of a, a balancing act here of, of making things easier for the quarterback, but then the quarterback making things easier for himself. Um, and so it'll be interesting to see what, what performance two looks like. And I think part of that involves – using his legs to set up his arm, don't squelch or try to stifle something that is a special talent. I think Todd Bolts can't help himself. This team, this Tampa defense is going to come after Justin Fields, and I think there's going to be some isolated one-on-one situations, whether it's on the perimeter or maybe even down the field. There are going to be some big plays for the Bears. I think they need to take advantage of that, and Justin Fields as a scrambler will reemerge as a difference maker. That's my opinion. I think we might see more of that, though. Well, you make me segue into something that I, I wanted to talk about and something that I wrote about for uh, storylines, Chicago Bears storylines for ChicagoTribune.com. And it's the ability to, for Justin to be a weapon as a scrambler, both as a runner and as a passer. Inside the building, there's been a, an increased emphasis on teaching him, hey, it's okay to escape pressure, get out of the pocket, work off script, and take a couple minutes to scramble laterally before you take off you know, vertically down the field and look for, for guys downfield. This is going to be fascinating to watch on Sunday because there's going to be opportunities for Justin to scramble. And I think the Bears want to see more than the tuck and runs. Uh, and they want to see some scramble, get out laterally and make a pass 15 yards down the field for, to, to Darnell Mooney or DJ Moore. Trying to coach that balance with the guy who's proven himself so dangerous with his legs is difficult. That's something that they've talked about inside the building, something Andrew Dinoco talked about this evening. It's something Justin talked about on Wednesday. Something to keep an eye on on Sunday. Bears used to play in Tampa often late in the season. It was a nice respite for fans and and for players as well. Conditioning could be a factor. It is mid-September. It will be humid and likely hot. Do you expect conditioning to be uh, an issue or stamina or endurance? Well, something they talked about when the schedule came out was was putting together a hydration plan for the entire week here. You know, you're, you're going to have daytime temperatures on Sunday uh, approaching or surpassing 90 in Tampa. And there's also, David, the possibility of afternoon thunderstorms, which if you remember the last time the Bears played in a monsoon, it went pretty well for them. So <laughs> keep an eye on the weather slide. forecast. Keeping it, Everybody slide. Keep, keep, keep an eye on the weather forecast uh, on, on Sunday, and, and we'll see where that goes. Uh, certainly they've got to account for the Florida heat. So the committee uh, of running backs is interesting. Not quite sure who plays what role yet. I think Roshan Johnson seems to emerge as a guy that deserves more snaps. Khalil Herbert started as unspectacular against the Packers. Deontay Foreman still will play a role on this offense in this team, I believe. They got him over from Carolina. Highly productive running back throughout his career. There's a story coming up in the Chicago Tribune. What can you say about that? Yeah, look, like I had a really nice visit with Deontay Foreman uh, in August. This is a guy who has had to develop survival skills in the NFL. This is his seventh season. It's his sixth team. He's had two season-ending injuries. He's been cut and and out of football, left on his couch until a team needs an emergency running back like the Titans did in 2021. And he came in and he spelled Derrick Henry and got himself a contract with the Carolina Panthers. And then they traded Christian McCaffrey and he got himself a contract with the Chicago Bears. And he, he has understood how to attack opportunity, uh, 
dealt with the the devastating loss of his father uh, in, in one vehicle accident a couple years ago, uh, right after he had been cut by the Atlanta Falcons and was trying to figure out his place in the league, to feel his motivation, to feel his purpose, to feel his survival skills. Pretty special dude, and, and, and I think the Bears feel very strongly about kind of the fortitude he has and the way he can help them going forward. Wow, I look forward to that. Is that going to be online this weekend and in print on Sunday? It, it, it will be in the storylines package on Friday morning at chicagotribune.com, and then somewhere in the weekend it will appear in your hard copy newspaper. Awesome. Great job in finding that story and all the things you do during the week. What else, if we've left anything else out of this uh, pretty comprehensive little podcast here? No, I think we got to it all, and we managed our clock really well, and I think we did a really good job in an eventful week here, and, and now I think we just turn our attention ahead to Sunday, and I hope that when uh, when we jump back on <laughs> the Streamyard on Sunday night that that it's uh, with a, a much lighter tone than we've had to carry for the last five or six days. And we will be back Sunday night with our immediate reaction to the Bears and Buccaneers Sunday at Raymond James Stadium in Tampa. So join us then. Keep an eye out on the Twitter at Take the North Pod at Dan Weeder and at David Hall. You have our Twitter feeds and you can follow us there. You can download, you can follow us on, on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast. Watch us on 670 Sports YouTube page and just keep track. We're in season mode now. The Bears played game two on Sunday and there's a lot going on. I look forward to talking to you next time. For Adam Sadinsky and Dan Weeder, I'm David Hall. Thanks for listening to Take the North Podcast. Great talk. See you out there.